Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And there's so many variables that if you want to be really good at something, you have to take into account. And I think it's when you start taking into account those super, super fine variables, like you said, you know, after your 10,000 hours or whatever, that's when you, you start realizing, okay, it's not just the fact that I've just got to do 10,000 hours of this. It's like, yeah, what type of practice am I employing? Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Balancing Acts. In this conversation, I talk to DJ and presenter AJ King. Perfect. Hi, this is Steve Whiteley, comedian, actor, filmmaker and writer, all-round ADHD creative. And welcome to my new podcast, Balancing Acts, where I talk to an array of creatives ranging from comedians, actors, directors, all sorts. And we talk about how they find a sense of balance or not between their creative lives and their everyday lives and how that has an impact on their mental health and beyond. Balancing Acts is now made in association with The Comedy Crowd, who are a website and community that support independent comedy creators such as myself. I have a Comedy Crowd short, which is a a two-minute video, one of my characters on their website. They showcase the best new videos on Comedy Crowd TV, which is comedycrowdtv.com, and across media platforms, so do go and check them out. AJ is a radio presenter on KISS 100. He's also presented uh, on TV shows for the likes of Sky One. As a DJ, he's played all around the world at some of the top clubs, from Ibiza to Marrakesh and Marbella. And on top of that, he's also an ambassador for the Prince's Trust. AJ and I go way back. We used to co-present a breakfast show together on what was then Bang 103.6 FM. And uh, we hit off straight away. Two energetic guys who were just very uh, driven and wild. We, I would, I think, yeah, AJ would, uh, would, would admit that we were both very wild, had a lot of energy to expend. But um, yeah, we hit it off straight away. So yeah, we kicked things off talking about our days at at uh, Bang FM and how the experience there really helped shape and and inform how we, uh, I guess, how we kind of conducted ourselves going forward in our respective careers at the boat at that time we were both very um i guess yeah just raw and naive to how sort of 
things worked in media land. So it was a real learning curve for both of us. So we chat about that. AJ describes how he went from working in a corporate job at Barclays Bank to then becoming the KISS 100 Chosen One presenter and was originally offered a three-month contract, which then turned into a five-year journey. He breaks down his experience of presenting at KISS, uh, including on The Breakfast Show and the challenges of taking the spot of an established DJ that he admired. He talks about the importance of being authentic and not being afraid to be yourself and describes how he taught Prince Charles and Camilla how to DJ and scratch to Beyonce's single ladies, which then led to him becoming an ambassador for the Prince's Trust charity. AJ also talks about how he balances being a DJ and presenter and working with various charities and also being a dad and how being a young dad has made him more driven, disciplined and commercially savvy. AJ explains his philosophy or motto, you are your money, uh, which is basically the idea of banking on yourself. And he describes the signs, sort of the telltale signs when he knows that his mental health is slipping and why he finds boxing such a release. Almost, uh, he describes it as like a meditation and that has helped him protect his mental health. And we talk about our respective white collar boxing fight experiences and our shared love for boxing training in general. AJ also breaks down why everything is about timing and um, why it's important not just to put the hours of practice in, but also to work out what type of practicing you're doing. He talks about the lessons of observing some of the most successful DJs at KISS and how they were usually the nicest and most humble and how he believes that everyone knows what they want to do uh, with their life. It's just that their belief system or circumstances prevent them from following through on it. He talks about the value of affirmations and visualizations and he explains his latest creative journey, how he almost accidentally became an actor so there is loads here aj is a super inspirational guy and he's been in the game on the entertainment industry game for a long time and he's got lots of pearls of wisdom to dispense so i think you're going to enjoy this one so without further ado over to aj Perfect. we met uh it must have been it's well well over a decade ago yeah about five about- years now yeah, on yeah. what was uh, Bang FM uh, radio station Correct. in in Holston, Northwest London. Yeah, and we started presenting a Saturday breakfast show together. And <laughs> jokes were had. Jokes were. Look had. at his face! Look at his face! Yes, Jeez, it, it was hilarious. It was just just fun, wasn't it? it just so much fun. Because we were at a point in our well, neither of us were sort of you know neither of us are sort of like cracked it yet or anything mm. and it wasn't you know we weren't getting paid at that time to do what we were doing so mm-hmm. there's just sort of like a certain freedom that comes with that and uh with a lot of fun definitely man definitely and i think like you said we weren't getting paid we weren't getting paid at the time and i think when you're in that position you're like you're just like a, a shoal of piranhas just you know consistently you know, chipping away and tearing away at your, your ambition and your goals and, you know, doing everything that you can and some in order to stand out, in order to get the experience, um, you know, to be heard and, and you know, and, and to find out, like, who you are as well. Like, what, what, what are you in this thing? Yeah, you want to do radio. Yeah, you want to present. But looking back now, those, those formative years, you know, we were so raw, but, you know, from that, if you look at us now, 
yeah, I'd like to say we're we're way more refined, but I think I think you know we we're a bit more definitive in 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 who we are and 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 what what we what we want to still achieve. I think. I mean, and yeah, you say you said the freedom. As you know, I'm in radio now, but the freedom we had on that show was freaking sick. It's the, it's the best breakfast show I've ever presented. Like the features that we had were just crazy. Well, we crazy. produced the show ourselves, so we came yeah. up with all the segments and. Uh, six, it was 60 seconds of football. We, we, 60 like, seconds of football was incredible. Was it 50 seconds? It's 50 seconds. Was it 50 was seconds? It 50? Like, all the 50? Yeah, highlighting the that football news, premiership news in 50 seconds. 50 seconds, so but, sick. But now thinking back about it, now thinking back, yeah. probably wasn't so amazing to listen to as an audience. <laughs> um... God, no, I think it would have been. I think it would have been because behind it all, we were all just having a laugh and Spice the Life well, as well. That's Shit. true. Yeah, Spice the yeah, Life. Yeah, we were just having a laugh. And I think, you know, with radio, it is that medium where your imagination comes into play to, to have, you know, people in the studio and they're just literally creasing. And we were imparting information and playing effing bangers. But um, to have that element as well, I think, I think it would have been. I want to see that. Why do you think it wouldn't have been entertaining, Steve? No, I, it's just literally thought that I, I just occurred to me. It, you know, we were basically like the way that we were presenting it, the speed of it was like a jungle MC. Maybe you'd find it funny, but also maybe you'd find it like annoying. Like, I have no idea what these guys are saying right now. I guess it depends yeah, maybe on the demographic. It depends on the demographic. Mm, I mean, it made me interested in football. Literally, I looked forward to really? that segment every single week. Yeah, man. No, fully. I didn't know that. I didn't fully, know that. fully, fully, man. That was jokes. So, um, so that was 2000, should we say 2007? Seven, eight. Seven, eight. I, I actually remember the day that I first met you. I remember the day. when we, nah, all right, let me, let me tell you, let me tell you mine, yeah? So, it was when we first moved, because before, Bang Radio was based, it was called Life FM. It was based in Harlesden under a betting shop on the precinct, which just doesn't exist anymore now. It's Stonebridge. It's Stonebridge, correct. It was based there. And, you know, the um, rumor was we were getting a new building. It's going to be all nice and sexy. We're going to have amazing equipment. I was just like, look, as long as there's decks and a place for me to put my computer for my Serato, I'm happy. I don't care about anything else. Lo and behold, went for a tour of this new building and you were there. And um, it was me, you, I think Iron Braids was there as well. And um, yeah, we were getting the studio tour. And I think, yeah, we just kind of clicked, just hit it off. Just hit it off. The underlying madness kind of connected. And um, yeah, we knew, we knew then that we'd be friends for life and collaborators for a, for a bloody long time. Do you remember how the show came about? Like who pitched it or whatever? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So you, you were doing a late night show. You were doing a, more of a DJ led show about yeah. 11 p.m. And midnight, yeah. yeah, and I was doing a Sunday show, um, a Sunday morning show, breakfast show. And ah. on that show, I used to have artists and bands and all this sort of stuff. And they'd come on and I'd interview them. Man, some of the people that I had back in the day there had um, Marcus Mumford from Mumford and Sons before they were Mumford and Sons. Uh, I mean, there was loads, Eliza Doolittle, JJ Pistolet, who became the vaccine. All these guys, there was loads. And anyway, they yeah. then offered me a Saturday breakfast show. 
uh, to present a set of electro show. And I said, I'd do it, but I wanted to have my own team, like Mr. Billy Big Bollocks. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then I, I asked you to come, and, to come and, and do it with me and Spice. And so the three of us formed a little team. And yeah, because I was doing the show with Spice. Yeah, 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 yes. Yeah, that was it. And um, fast forward, and it's interesting how we went down different tra- trajectories. Um, mm. I went down my route, and then, but you just like you persisted, and obviously, you then got the Kiss One Hundred job presenting at uh-huh. Kiss, which, uh-huh. which initially was that was that late at night that one originally. No, so after that comp, um, it was it was a Sunday morning show. So I did six to eight on a Sunday morning. So just explain, this. sorry for people when explain the competition and how that all happened. Okay, people, I'm gonna explain. Um, no, there was a competition called the Kiss Chosen One, where at the time Kiss were looking for a new presenter to join their team. And um, it was sponsored by a now defunct, no, Blackberry is still popping, I think. But yeah, it was sponsored by Blackberry. And um, we, yeah, were, were tasked with kind of creating content um, to show why we should be the next Kiss presenter. It was the first time they'd ever done anything like that. Now they do it almost every year. But um, yeah, at that time, it's kind of groundbreaking in, in radio and for the station itself. Um, so after I think it was like a five-week selection period, I I got the call uh, that I'd won at 6 a.m. in the morning. They came to my house in Wembley at the time. It's amazing. Whisked me off to the studio, and um, yeah, I was then a Kiss presenter. And the first show that they gave me was um, was that too quick? <laughs> was that too quick? No, 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 no. no it makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, yeah, the first show that they gave me um, was a Sunday morning breakfast show. Sunday morning breakfast show. Yeah, okay. Sunday morning breakfast show from 6 till 8. And the contract was just for three months. But I blatantly said to my managers, I was like, look, you're not getting rid of me for at least five years. For at least five years. And, you know, we were talking about that rawness that we have and, you know, just the manner in which <laughs> we go about things. I know they're probably thinking, who the fuck is this guy? Who is this guy? Who is this nutter that we have like allowed into the hallowed turf? But yeah, you know, Kiss was always that station that I wanted to be, wanted to be on from when I was a youngster. So yeah, I blatantly told them, yeah, three months, yeah, whatever. Not getting rid of me for five years. And then by the end of that year, um, no, I think, so I won the competition in March. Uh, did my stint for three months on a Saturday, on a Sunday morning. Then they um, offered me, once that three months was over, a show on Saturday afternoon, which was called Kissalicious. And Saturday at the time, and I think now, that's the time when radio stations garner their most new listeners. Because, you know, the kids are off, mum and dad's off, everyone's just got the radio on in the background. So that's usually when radio listenership, you know, kind of increases. Um, so, yeah, to have that show from that standpoint was really, really cool. Um, and, yes, yeah, so I was doing that and Sunday mornings. And then by the November of that year, um, they offered me um, the, month, the nightly show, which was 10 to midnight, Monday through to Thursday. Monday through to Thursday, which was amazing. 
absolutely amazing. The only freaking problem was, it's like a football team. If you put one person in, someone has to come out. Right. So um, at the time, um, DJ Swerve, who's a freaking G, he was doing that show at the time. And um, I remember being in the office with, with, was it in the office? No, the manager came to see me in the studio. He's like, he told me that what, what his plans were. And I was like, elated. And then literally a split second after, I was like, wait, hold on, Swerve does that fucking show. Now, bearing in mind, we used to listen to DJ Swerve's show, right? Write down all the songs that he played and then go to the record shop on a Friday to go and get tunes. So to be told now, <laughs> yeah, that, you know, I'm going to be in place of him and so on and so forth. It was a bit of a mad one. It was, it was a bit of a mad one. And you could tell the feeling throughout the station, especially, you know, with, um, with some of the producers. They were just like, what the fuck is going on? And at the time, Kiss was kind of changing. Kiss was changing. So um, that, would, that would have been a more playlisted show where a swerve was, you know, just hammering it with the hip-hop, R&B, all the shit that we grew up, to, grew up with and loved. The station was changing direction, and I was, I was you know, a clear part of that. So, yeah, there was all sorts of, you know, yeah, just all sorts of, like, weirdness going on. And I remember I was there in the daytime, and um, I bumped into him. And I was so nervous. I was just so, so nervous. And he pulled me aside. He's like, yo, age man, this is the game. This is the game, man. Like, we're all players in this. Like, this is it. Like, you've got your shot. Kill it. <laughs> Kill it. And I was like, oh, oh, fuck for that. Yeah, all right, cool, cool, cool. And then with that, it was killed. Smashed it. Um, and, uh, yeah, carried on doing that show for, for many years. And then, you know, I was called upon to, you know, cover, cover every show at, at, at some point in the station, including the Hallowed Breakfast show, which Ricky Melvin and Charlie were doing at the moment, um, at the time. So, um, yeah, that was, and as you know, in radio, the Breakfast show, that is, that's the golden goose, man. That's the golden goose. And even just to cover it, just to cover it was, was an absolute pleasure and an honor and something which I was really, really, it's very excited about it. It feels so weird talking about it now, man. It feels so weird having it under your belt. It's so weird, dude. It's so weird. Um, but did you think, okay, so what, what I think was, what's really cool is what you managed to do is that you, you were able to continue down the presenter side of things, you know, like yeah. doing cabin for breakfast shows and doing drive time shows, that type of thing. And then also cool. led to you uh, presenting on, on Sky One for uh, What's Up TV. Oh, shit. Yeah. But, but then you also managed to carve out a career as like a proper DJ. Like you DJ all around the world. Like was, yeah. that, an, was that an intentional thing? Because when I think back to like our, our days at Bang FM, you started yeah. off DJing late at night and then you did this breakfast show. So then you, you, you managed to sort of like, encompass both styles of of DJing was your vision all along it's like right I'm gonna <laughs> like I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna balance both sides of things and, and encompass both as a presenter and DJ yeah I think growing up all of the people who I admired whether that was like from you know your diddies or you know your your super successful DJs who all of a sudden you saw on a TV program or you know, doing something, they always had that multifaceted approach to things. And my my ethos is that you are your money. 
So you, you know, what Steve Whiteley does, what Mr. Over There does, what Mrs. So-and-so does, you know, and is successful for, that's only going to happen because they are them. So with me, one thing, one thing which, you know, like my family members will, will attest to is that however much I try, like I will always, if I'm always, it's very evident that I'm, I'm being me. I'm, yeah. And, and like I said, you are your money. So I think the guys at Kiss at the time realized that, okay, yeah, we've got someone who's a presenter here, but yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely different sorts. He's definitely, you know, someone who, who isn't afraid of being himself. So you have to remember at the time that I joined, um, not only was I like a sick DJ, but I'd done loads of work with young people. Um, I had that under my belt. Um, I was like a radio nerd. I was a pretty good presenter and I was open to things. So my first show on Kiss, right? My first show on Kiss was on a Sunday, was on a, was on a Sunday morning, right? We got news that Pick TV, was it Pick TV? Yeah, Pick TV, which was a, a Sky, like a Sky channel. We got news that they wanted to take um, What's Up from DVD and put it onto Sky. So I'd won the Kiss Chosen one, and then the same day that I had my first show on Kiss was the same day that the first um, airing of What's Up TV happened on Sky. So I was literally like on radio and television the same freaking day for the first time, like on in a mainstream sense. And um, you must yeah, be mate, you you must have been buzzing. You must be absolutely buzzing to go dude. from like. Bang, community radio to now you're presenting on Kiss 100 and on Sky One. I mean, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is. And um, it's like, you know, you were saying, oh, did I consciously think and so on and so forth. Yeah, you do want to do, do TV. You do want to do radio. You do want all these things. But you can't predict an occurrence like that. So, you know, that, that just happened. And... Um, We'll get back to what's up TV in a minute, but let's talk about the DJ thing because you also said to me, you also said, you know, I've carried on with the whole DJ thing. Obviously, Kiss are renowned for, you know, at the time they did like Kiss Weekender, they did stuff abroad. So, you know, since being with them, I've DJed, you know, at like Gatecrasher in Ibiza, we did Pasha in Marrakesh, Ocean Beach in Ibiza, um, done Marbella with them, Mallorca, um, and then that then opened up other stuff. Um, with other TV channels. So I was working with Flavor TV for a little bit and we did some incredible trips. We went to Ultra Music Festival in Miami, which is like the biggest dance music festival ever, um, which then helped my Kiss stuff because I interviewed like Martin Garrett and Tiesto. When I'm sitting there in front of these guys going, yeah, I've been to Ultra Music Festival. It's like, oh shit, you're certified. All right, let's go. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's all, it's all kind of, everything that I've done has fed into each other. Everything that I've done has, 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 fed, into, has fed into each other. But again, I will, I will say, you know, it all, it all starts and it's all underpinned by DJing. One of the biggest sort of um, examples of that was when Prince Charles, a couple of years ago, I think it was about five or six years ago, he was doing a radio tour. So him and Camilla, they were doing a radio tour of all the radio stations and they came through to KISS. So they had some Princess Trust kids, you know, in the building. And because they knew I'd done work with young people. Princess Trust being uh, Prince Charles' charity. Yes, so that's his personal charity that he's run for over 50 years. 
over yeah. 50 years, helped nearly a million young people get their own businesses, you know, help them through tricky situations and, you know, just be like contributors to society. Um, because they'd know, they knew I'd done work with young people at band. They're like, oh, AJ, can you just like do a quick DJ workshop with them? I'm like, yeah, cool, no problem. So we're doing our DJ workshop and then Prince Charles comes into the building and um, which was nuts, which was crazy. Like the way, the way he rolls, the way that whole royal contingent rolls is just like on another level of security and considerations and it's crazy. It's crazy. They swept the building with dogs and stuff. I'd just come back from Amsterdam. <laughs> I'm like, shit, shit, bro. <laughs> but um, yeah, all was good. Um, and his, his handlers were like, look, he might come over. They came over. And um, to cut a long story short, we got him and his missus on the deck scratching. His to, missus. Um, Beyonce. Yeah, his missus. Yeah, Camilla. Yeah, got, had them scratching <laughs> to um, single ladies. And um, yeah, it was really cool. I got one of the young people to show him how to do it. And afterwards, his people pulled me aside. They were like, AJ, you know, really liked how you handled that situation. Da, 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 da. How do you feel about becoming a Princess Trust ambassador? Um, and I was like, yeah, cool, B. Cool. I'm down. See, that's I'm that's down. for me, like, a running theme I found with you is that, like, you're a go-getter, but you're like you'll see the opportunities and whether like knowingly or whether you're doing it like unconsciously or subconsciously, you just sort of gravitate, gravitate towards it. And then things just seem to pop off. It's like you said, the same with WhatsApp, you approach those guys and then you didn't at the time they weren't even, they didn't even have their own TV show on Sky. Nah. But you got them with early doors and then next thing you know, you're presenting a show on Sky. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But also what like I find really impressive with you is, is, that alongside all of this, you oh. know, you were a young dad as well. Yeah, so yeah. You're balancing yeah, yeah, all yeah, of yeah. this, you know, like this career, which is sort of like take, taking off big time. And oh. now you're like becoming an ambassador for the Prince's Trust and doing a lot of work with them on the charitable side of things. And I know you were also still working with Bang FM, you know, working with kids, you know, lo locally in Halston as well, doing workshops, etc. And mm -hmm. you're a dad. Like sometimes I think to myself, yeah. I think to myself, oh yeah, you know, I'm so busy at the moment, I'm so hectic. But occasionally I will just think, yeah, but AJ's got a kid. <laughs> you know, how old yeah. were you? How old were you when Ryo, your son, was born? So Ryo, my fabulous child, um, he was so I was so yeah, in age terms, in age terms, and people don't really like talk about their age and shit, but my age was plastered everywhere when I won the kids chose the one. <laughs> So I was, uh, as, from an age point of view, I kind of got into it late. I got into this, this game kind of late. We both did. We were both similar in that respect. Yeah. So I won the Kiss Chosen one. I was 27. And that, yeah. was, that, was, that was whenever whenever the hell it was, like eight, eight nine years ago. And um, yeah, so I had Ryo when I was 26. 26. And what a lot of people don't know is that I, I'd like took a left turn in like career. So I was working at Barclays. Shit was going really, really well. And, you know, I just got sick of it kind of and decided that, you know, it wasn't for me. I wanted to do something creative. So I left the bank, went to university, studied, did a degree in like the creative industries at City University. And I think in my first year, that's when we were expecting, um, 
that's why I expect in Rio. So yeah, under everything, and that might be why I am how I am, where it's like anything that I have to do just has to pop. It has to work. It has to work. I've got a child to support. I've got a child to nothing. Nothing will drive you more than you know having your your child look at you and go, well, because kids don't listen to shit. They do not listen to shit. Think about you when you were a kid. Like you didn't listen to shit. It's what you're shown and what you see. And um, yeah, I always had it in the back of my mind that I want to set that example, whether I'm here or not, or whatever he's he's told or whatever. He can look at the fact that hard work works, and you got to have a plan. You got to bank on yourself. Your money is your money. You got to like. You got to be consistent. You got to you know, be self-sufficient, you have to, you have to, you know, respect what you're doing and put, put the work in. So yeah, under all of that, and credit to his mum and his mum's family and my family, you know, who, who supported throughout the whole time, like, yeah, having, yeah, it's not easy, dude. It's not easy. Well, it's not easy. Do, you, do you purposely, do you structure your time in a very specific way? Have you always done that or has it been sort of like you chop and change as you've gone along? You have to, you have to, you have to, because when they're young and they're not in nursery, you know, you're, you're, you're there more, you're, you're there more and, you know, they're around you more. When they get to school, it's like, oh, fuck, what does that happen, man? <laughs> day is free. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. And, and, and doing what we do and doing what we do, you know, we need that kind of, we need to have a weight off or we need to be able to just, you know, focus in on what we're doing without having to, um, you know, be concerned with, with external things. And people say it's selfish. It's just like, nah, bruv, like an F1 car is an F1 car. It doesn't have a boot. It hasn't got, you know, fucking parking sensors and all that. It's just designed to go quickly. So you want to have your F1 mode and just, like you said, delete Instagram off your phone and focus in. So. Yeah, when they're at school or away, it's like, okay, cool, let me value that time and so on and so forth. So what would happen is when I was doing the evening show on Kiss, I'd, you know, pick him up from school, take him home to his mom's place, like would read him a story or whatever, leave, go do the show, so on and so forth. Do you know what I mean? Now it's much different. He goes home by himself. He lives with, he lives with his mum. So he goes by home by himself. His routine is totally different. He'll call me when he needs me or, you know, I'll get him on the weekend, so on and so forth. God, it's, it seems strange talking about it now because when you're, when you're on that journey, you just have to ride the wave, just ride the wave. And it, they're kind of dictating to you what they need. And you just, you just have to deal with, you know, all the trials and tribulations as well as trying to be a Langman DJ and bad boy presenter. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it, and sometimes you do think, oh shit, would I have been further if, if I didn't have a kid or which, like, has it made me the man I am and why? And so you do, you do. But I think for me, yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be the way I am or, you know, wouldn't be half as driven if I didn't have, you know, him in my life or, you know, didn't have that consideration because everything has to work. This shit has to work. You haven't got time for BS. You know, you haven't got time for stuff that, that doesn't work. And you just become way more discerning and a, and a lot more, a lot more kind of savvy, I think, when it comes to opportunities and banking on yourself. Like I said, you are your money, man. And 
somebody else could be given the same opportunity as me but because of the way I look at it because I know about patience because I know you know to a certain extent about tact <laughs> and things like that you know I I would get out of a situation what other people you know might not so does that kind of answer your question yeah no it does it does um and throughout all this how have you yeah. how have you sort of managed to protect your mental health because you've always been a very positive guy i mean i know obviously from our conversations you uh you sort of like you educate yourself like you read a lot of books etc but yeah. you know there must have been times where there's like it's a pressure cooker what you've got going on you're balancing all this stuff you're djing yeah. all over the world you're presenting a show on a on a nationwide station you're raising a son you know there's 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 a lot of stuff there were, were there times where sort of it affected your mental health and if so how did you bounce back defos definitely man definitely definitely and i think with me one thing i've always prided myself on is the work like my work is untouchable my work's always going to be of a certain quality but when my work starts to suffer like everyone's good at putting the face on yeah you get me? Everyone's good at that. But for me, it's evident to me my mental health is suffering when my work starts to suffer or, you know, when I'm cussing everyone and their mum. Like, <laughs> and in this industry, much as some people and their mums need to get cussed, it's not necessarily <laughs> the best thing to do. It's true. It's true. I'm sure you've encountered many a skullduggerous individual who in any other situation probably would have, you know, been removed from your life. But, um, yeah, I find with me, when I start getting into that mode of, right, you were then, I've got, you know, that's when I know that, that something is amiss. And the thing which has kind of kept me, kept me, um, kept me kind of ground, not grounded, but has been my outlet is boxing. You know, okay. that has been, that has been what has literally got me through some of the toughest times in my life and career you know, so far. Um, I remember you told me you did a white collar fight. When was it? Like 20... 2003. <laughs> 2003, shit. 2005. 2003. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shit. I did mine. Yeah, well, fuck it. Like, we're accomplished, man. What? <laughs> what? We're accomplished and seasoned. Um, I did mine in 2012. And before then, so I started boxing training. I started boxing training in about 2008. And it was because, so there was, there were two young ladies who did the show after myself and my cousin. And um, they did, it was called the Bun and Cheese Show. A tasty Jamaican delicacy. Young lady called Corinne and, um, oh shit, <laughs> Leslie. How can I forget Leslie? Corinne and Leslie Saki, who at the time, she was on the um, Great British team, female boxing. She was a boxer. She was a boxer, basically. She trained at um, All-Stars Gym and Harrow Road. And we were like, oh, my God, how can these beautiful ladies, how can they be into boxing? And we're not. So I went down. I'd always wanted to do it. I went down, you know, because of them. and loved it and fell in love with it. And over the years, you know, progressed to a point where, yeah, did a white-collar fight, smacked him up, smacked him up. Um, and as you know, in order to put yourself in a position where you're going to be in the ring in front of someone, you have to train your arse off. Train you like have an animal. To train. You have to train. You have to train. And the boxing, 
sort of the, the, the boxing lifestyle is very, very, in essence, simple, but extremely demanding and one which will need the utmost discipline in order for you to succeed. Not even for you to succeed, but just to put your, your eyebrow over the water because the levels in boxing are just incredible. So for you to just even just be like, okay, yeah, cool, I kind of get it. You would have already had to have got it 100% already for a long time. It's like maintained 100%. So that for me, being able to go to um, a boxing gym and just beat the shit out of a bag or if we're inspiring. I posted on Instagram yesterday. My Instagram post read, I'm missing going, something along the lines of, I'm missing going to the gym and doing my best to punch the man them in the face. <laughs> like, that, is, that, is, that is it because that for me is, it's such a big, it's such an amazing stress relief. Like footballers, they love hearing the of the net when the ball curls into it. But b-ballers, the swish, that's their thing. For me, right fist, these two knuckles, like in someone's chin, nothing better, mate. Nothing, nothing better. Honestly, honestly, honestly. People say, oh, it's violent. Yeah. Go speedball, on. man. I just always love the speedball when you get into the rhythm of oh, the speedball. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Speedball. Yeah, I'm not a speedball fan, but yeah, speedball, skipping, and pad work. I love pad work. Boom, boom, boom. The, the thing is, it's a meditation. It's a meditation. Yeah. Like, you, 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 get, you get, there is a point. You know when you hear runners talking about hitting the wall and, you know, you know exceeding their physical, their perceived physical limit? Boxing is very much like that because not only do you have, do you have the, your physicality to understand, control, and exceed, but there is someone opposing you going to, who's going to give you damage if you slip or if your 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 mind drifts and you don't realize how much you know how flighty your mind is until you're doing you're in the ring and you're like five rounds deep and you're tired and you know they, they get someone fresh in to spar you you're just like shit it's never ending you can't you can't you can't switch off and that pressure that constant pressure is much like the industry pressure you know i speak to loads of presenters who are like torn between having this facade like i've got it sorted i've got it sorted but their home life's a mess or you know this is happening in their life or so on and so forth and it's like you need that discipline the same amount of discipline the same amount of tenacity and kind of focus on your goal is needed to survive in this game as it is you know in the boxing ring and again i mentioned those resentments but i respect them so much because you know, to operate at a high level in this game, you do need you do need a thick skin. You do need focus. You do need mental stamina and an understanding and an understanding of the game. It's taught me so much about people, boxing and just training. And luckily, I've been able to train in gyms all over London, from like you know, from East London, North London, everywhere. And that again, and you know, befriend loads of amazing boxers. Like I did a couple rounds with um, Anthony Yard the other day, and you know just to be in the ring with someone who's that big, he's a big lad, but who moves, his movement is sublime, and who's that powerful? It's an impressive. It's just an impressive thing to be around. And again, it it's, it always shows you the levels to which you can you can you can ascend. And um, man, I used to. Yeah, um, my trainer leading up to the white collar fight was, uh, I don't know if you know, Spencer Oliver. He was, um, he was a European champion years ago and then he got, okay, uh, okay. 
got a, uh, a brain clot. He got a blood clot. And he had to stop. Oh, shit. The doctor said if he fought again, you know, that would be it. Anyway, he's, yeah. he's sort of a very successful um, commentator now, boxing pundit. And I used to train with him. And right. uh, I, I used to follow him before I trained with him. And mm-hmm. uh, his, his, his uncle and his, I think his uncle, I think it was his uncle and his, his whole family owned uh, Finchley Boxing Club in Barnet. Which is a very okay, yeah, yeah. well renowned gym. Well renowned yeah, gym. Anthony yeah. Joshua started off and trained there. And yeah. it was this amazing feeling of like remembering Spencer Oliver. He was kind of like a bit of a Ricky Hatton type fighter. His, his name was Spencer the Omen Oliver. And um, he was so quick, so fast. And then being able to train with this guy, this was my trainer. It was like this dream come true. It was an incredible thing. But yeah, like, like you're saying, just the, the hand movement, the, the, the speed. And you know, this is a guy who'd been long since retired, but the movement yeah. was unbelievable. unbelievable. And for me, for me, right, I always say everything in life, everything in life is about timing. Everything in life is about timing. And I'll explain. So, you know, whether you've, whether like you, you've written an amazing script, you've, um, you've spoken to the directors, commissioners on board, so on and so forth. If something's out of whack with what they're doing or, you know, um, what, the, what the social consciousness or what's on vogue at the moment, it's just not going to happen. You know what I mean? The, the, the project's not going to happen. With DJing, DJing is effectively pressing buttons and movement in time. It's timing. It's, your, it's, it's, it's how, good's, how good's your timing. Same with boxing, um, whether you're slipping or, you know, your, your movement around, it's, it's, it's all to do with, it's all to do with timing. It's, it's every, every, everything is to do with time. Why was I, why was I, where was I going with this analogy? Shit. Um, well, referring it to, um, to um, um, yeah, yeah, it is, it is, it is all timing. And for me, for me, like, like I said, watching these like heavyweight fighters or middleweight fighters, the way that they move and the. It, it, it is, it is timing. There's a book I read called, ah, uh, it's called The Power of Practice. Is it The Power of Practice? I think it's called The Power of Practice. And there's a, there's a excerpt in there where it describes, you know, um, they were talking about tennis players. And it's not, I can't remember who they were talking about, but the, the theory is, the example given was, it's not that, it's not that Steve Whiteley gets to the ball quicker than AJ. It's that via his experience, Steve Whiteley knows that if AJ hits the ball like this, it's likely to be over there. So he can position himself appropriately. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Well, it goes yeah. to that. It it's, it's, um, falls in line with that 10,000 hour theory. You know, Malcolm Gladwell, you've got, you got to get your 10,000 hours in of practice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then if you want to go deep, it's like, what type of practice? What type of practice? Because with me as a DJ... You know, I love scratching. I always want to develop scratching for anyone who, 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 who's unaware. That's, you know, manipulating the record and trying to make, you know, new sounds from a piece of audio. And it's like karate. You know, there's levels to this shit. There's yeah. levels. There are some serious levels to this shit. Like, I'm all right, but there's levels. And um, it's like, what type of practice are you doing? Are you, are you, are you banging it out for an hour, you know, just, just banging it out for an hour, or is your practice focused? Are you zeroing, zeroing in on the te- technique? Like the amount of times I've changed the height of my turntables, how far I stand back, you know, the tensity, um, you know, how, t- how hard my crossfader is, because you can turn, you can change the, um, how it reacts 
what slip mats am I using? What needles am I using? There's so many variables that if you want to be really good at something, you have to take into account. And I think it's when you start taking into account those super, super fine variables, like you said, you know, after your 10,000 hours or whatever, that's when you, you start realizing, okay, it's not just the fact that I've just got to do 10,000 hours of this. It's like, yeah, what, what, type, what type of practice am I employing, you know, in order to, to, to you know, hone my craft? And do you know that you need to do that? Or is your ego and the people around you just saying you're sick? So it's like, yeah, I don't even need to do that. Do you know what I mean? A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, totally. That makes sense. So on, the, on the subject of ego then, yeah. you've, uh, you've always been confident yeah, in your abilities and um, you know, just being able to execute on your ideas. Um, mm. For me, and this is my own personal experience, there is, there's a fine line between being confident and then moving yeah. to the other side and being arrogant. How have you managed to walk that line and, and have you had experiences in the past where you might have crossed over and you've learned from that and you know being older and wiser now you're kind of like yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. i was a bit of a dick then <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah I'm yeah yeah this, i'm saying this purely from personal experience do you remember like when we used to do bang and there was a someone who took over for a bit i'm not going to say the name of the person <laughs> <who did. laughs> yeah i know exactly you mean and uh he would you know try to he wanted to make some controversial decisions fair enough he wanted to make his mark and uh, i got quite where are you now where are you now where is he now sorry sorry (laughs) i know yeah yeah the version of me now would have maybe handled it differently whereas the version of that you know (laughs) yeah yeah i think okay okay so the ego the ego because um, ego, like for me, that also relates to um, what you were saying earlier. Yeah, it relates to exactly what you were saying earlier about, you know, you know when you're slipping mentally, if you're like, oh, fuck that guy, or da 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 da. All that derives yeah, from ego, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 fully, fully. Because no one's complaining when they're doing all right. Or no one's feeling insecure when everything's going blessed. Like, everything's cool. Everything's cool. Um, so my thing, so I learned, I learned a lesson very early on, very early on, man, very early on. You know, so being at KISS, right, so at the time, at the time I was at KISS, we had legends like David Rodigan, um, DJ EZ, DJ Hatcher, um, DJ Hype, who else, who else? We had like some certified Gs in like, the music scene. And as Londoners, as Londoners in the music scene, you would have been into R&B, hip-hop, garage, reggae, all, all that kind of stuff. We house, we would have like come across these guys at some point. So for me, seeing these absolute dons and how they operated, they were the safest of the lot. They, anyone, anyone who, they were the, they were the, and that's not to diss anybody else. It's just that my impression of, of what I, how I thought they would be. They were fucking cool. Do you hear that what I'm time, saying? Time and you hear that time and time again, the people who are like super successful are often the most humble. It's like the Bless. people before that who have a chip on their shoulder. Bless. I mean, I don't know whether it's before that or afterwards. I think some people are assholes and some people are not. Yeah, but that's what I think. But obviously, I want a competition to be there. Perfect. 
Hello, sorry to interrupt in the middle of this insightful conversation, which I'm enjoying, I'm sure, just as much as you are. But I need to give you guys a little reminder. Uh, if you like this conversation, this episode, if you like balancing acts in general, then please do subscribe to us, rate and review us because it makes the world of difference. And the more reviews we get, the more rates we get, the more people can discover the podcast and we can make it go viral, whatever that means. Okay, back to the chat. Yeah, I didn't choose. I didn't ring them up and go, yo, give me a damn show. I want a show. Thank you for the show. It didn't work like that at all. I got picked to be there. And that's how it is. If you're a TV presenter, whatever, people pick you. So <laughs> you got chosen to be here. Like you didn't, you didn't, yeah, you might have put in work and you've done a great project or whatnot. But for every AJ, there's another 10 sick presenters and DJs. There are, there are. That's just the fact. I got chosen and I made the most of it. Simple. So the fact that I went through that experience in order to get what I got, moving through the industry and dealing with certain people who effectively you got picked to have that slot or this show or whatnot. It's like, how are you even acting like that? How are you even behaving? How are you behaving when you didn't actually make the choice for you to be there? Yeah, like I said, you put the work in. But as we know, it's not you who made the decision to keep you there or to put you there. And, you know, this game at times can be very cutthroat. You can have a show one day, you can have a show the next day, it's all changed. You know, a new, a new manager comes in, a new, um, a new entity owns you, they're going in a different direction. Where are you? Do you understand what I'm saying? So for me, that whole ego thing, is, is, that doesn't come into it. Like, if I'm in a position, I want to smash my position. I'm going to body it. I'm going to bun down the whole thing like it's going to be legendary <laughs> shit yeah straight 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 as and that's the thing Love everyone it. thinks like that everyone thinks like that you do you do there's just no point freaking pretending like if i'm if i'm djing like this is the best thing going on right now because i'm here and i'm putting my all in so yeah center of the universe happening now and then shorty blitz comes along and makes me think what am i doing <laughs> what am i doing <laughs> do you know what i mean but that's that's how that that's how I see it. It's not about oh, you know, you can't. And I have done got into that whole thing of oh, I wish I had that or why so and so got this and da da da. It happens like that. That's going to happen. But the essence of it is, you know, I didn't choose to be. Yeah, I you know imagined it or whatever. But I didn't choose to get that show. I didn't choose to get that gig or whatever. I got it. I got blessed with it. While I'm there, let me kill it. So the other side of it, the other side of it is when you take, start taking that shit for granted, which is what happens, yeah? You start showing up late or, you know, you know you, you haven't put the preparation in that you, that you need to put in and you're disappointing yourself. Or, um, I mean, I'm not generally rude to people or I'm not rude to people or, like, a bad. Uh, like I try and be polite to everyone and just, you know, move professionally. You know, so it's more, it's more, if, if anything, it's more like my, it's more, it's more, yeah, if I'm taking the situation for granted, it becomes, it's, it's obvious, it's obvious, you know, and yeah, I had to, I've had to check myself a good few times, as you do, as you fucking do, um, and yeah, try and re realign with the trill individual that I am and, you know, what I'm supposed to be representing. So yeah, as far as ego my thing always has been, and again, I think I take it back to that DJ Swerve moment. That for me 
was such an amazing kind of combo for him to have, even though it was like 20, I mean, him's cool now, like that's my guy, you know, um, just that, that 20 second combo for him to look me in my face and go, AJ, like, this is how it goes. Like you got your shot, kill it. And it's like, shit, this is, this is how it goes. All right, cool, cool, safe. You know, so does that answer your question as well? Then? Yeah, totally, totally. You, you mentioned before about um, you imagined that the kiss, you, you know, you working for kiss would happen. Are you someone yeah. that's big on, um, are you someone that's big on visualizations and that kind of fully. thing? Affirmations. Fully, I, I, I asked you that question knowing the answer. <laughs> fully, because right, because because again, again, I'll I'll do it from an external point of view. I'll do it from an external point of view, right? Go on. So. In those sessions that I've had, you know, with countless young people, whether it's teaching them how to DJ, radio production, or, you know, when they get to trust you and whatnot, and they're telling you about their issues, so on and so forth, everyone knows what they want to do. Everyone knows what they want to do in life. Everybody knows. Everyone knows what they want to do. When you close your eyes and you go, oh, sh- I do, I do. Yeah, 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 I do, I do. No, but do you think it takes work there, doesn't it? Some people still yeah, yeah, yeah. a long time to figure it out. Some people, oh, I'm lost right now. I don't know what I want to do. Yeah, but that's because, that's because, that's because, that's because, well, okay, cool. This is my opinion. This is my opinion. This is my opinion. This is my opinion, right? I think everybody does know what they want to do, but whether it's society or your family or, you know, your family legacy or, you know, your experiences, that it kind of puts you off and makes you think, okay, cool. Maybe that is too far-fetched or maybe that is, you know, not the way. I think everybody does know what they want to do, but whether you're brave enough or disciplined enough or committed enough to make that happen is the question. Now, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, and I know it's not actually as simple as that. That's just my opinion. And, you know, that is what, what I'm doing is what I've always wanted to do. But it hasn't, it's not what I've always done. I was capable of being an excellent banker. I was capable of being an excellent whatever. But what I really wanted to fucking do was be on stages, laying down, having a 5,000 people jumping, you know, to tunes that I'm playing. That's what I wanted to do, pretending I'm DJ Easy. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, what I'm doing now is not different from what I used to do when I was, like, 15, 14 in my bedroom. Yesterday, I tweeted, I was like, so, at the moment, with this lockdown, we're doing, I'm doing radio from home. So, I'm doing my radio show from my house, which is no different when I used to do fake radio shows when I was eight years old in my bedroom. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm literally doing the same shit. So... You know, um, yes, I have visualized. Yes, I have worked bloody hard. Yes, I have done my research. Yes, I have, you know, you know, amassed loads, lots of knowledge and experience. But I have always wanted to know. I've always seen myself doing this. I've always seen myself doing it. And there was that time when I left the bank where it's like, right, balls deep, bro. I am all in. I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this now. You know, so like you reach your point, you reach your point where you kind of like, it's now or never, right? Because you, you mm. know, I was exactly the same age as you, I think twenty six when I, uh, mm. young, what I was young, young, yeah, <laughs> young, yeah, young, young dudes, young, young, dude. young. whipper, yeah. And you know, it's like it's good to have a bit of that pressure there. It's like 
there's only so many times you can you can change careers. And actually, I did do it one more time after I went into music. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I mean, and and look, look, I've spoken to you about like the latest crazy creative journey that I've been on, which is acting. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, that was that was crazy. I'll explain it for everybody. So basically, um, two years ago, my sister was rang me up randomly. She was going somewhere. She said, yo, I need you to come with me and provide me with some moral support. This is the type of relationship that we have. Just randomly. Middle of the day. I was like, where are you? She's like, on the train. I'm going to Brixton. I was like, all right, cool, B. So I jumped on the train, met her at uh, Baker Street Station. And um, I was like, where the fuck are we going? She's like, oh, I've got an audition and I just want you to come with me. I was like, all right, cool. Dave. Went to this audition and it was for a drama school. Um, and we walked into the, we walked into the building and the audition had already begun. So you've got, I think it was about 30 people. They're doing their stretches all very, very. And, um, the teacher was, um, in mid flow. He's like, right. Yeah. Come in, take your shoes and socks off, just get started. So on and so forth. And I'm doing my best to try and tell this guy, I'm just here with my sister. <laughs> I'm just here with my sister. Right. So um, he wasn't having a bar of it. He was like, yeah, just get your shoes on, this, that, and the other. I was like, all right, cool, whatever, B. So um, the class is just about to begin. And you know me, I'm a piss taker. I'll just go with the flow, yeah? <laughs> so <laughs> the class is about to begin. And he got everyone to stand in a circle. And they were going around um, introducing themselves, yeah? And saying their name. And I think you had to say your name and two things about you, right? And it got to my sister. My sister said her thing. And literally, as I was about to say my name and introduce myself a lady came in through the door and was like all right guys we need to change the room because another class needs this room we need you all to go downstairs yeah so then the class stopped we all went downstairs <laughs> and we continued on with this warm-up and my sister's like what the hell are you doing here what are you doing here um i was having the time of my life um for those that don't know you know a warm-up in a drama class is just you know making noises know chucking your arms about just stretching he was giving us like a series of noises to repeat it was all freaking jokes i was having the best fucking time mate um and then throughout the throughout the and this is an audition an assessment right there were actors in this in this in this um, audition so i remember my sister she had to the guy was like the teacher he said okay cool so what i want you to do is imagine now that um the person who you're about to do this scene with, um, they've annoyed you about something. <laughs> they've irritated you about something. So my sister got up, right? <laughs> she got up. If you think I'm bad, if you think I'm bad, you haven't, you haven't met my sister, have you? I think I have, actually, no. Nah, bro, she's like me, 10. Imagine Blaze, 10. Yeah, she's okay. on another level, right? So she, <laughs> she, what did she do? So she, she got up and she was, you know, having a go at this woman. And then she grabbed her and she pushed her. And I was like, oh my fucking God, shit, shit. This is amazing. This is sick. Like it was real acting happening or whatever. My sister was just raging at this woman. I thought, fuck that. Cool. I'm going to cuss someone wicked. So then um, in mine, um, in my scene, I had to improvise a scene where this person owed me money. So I was swearing at them. I was just having a whale of a time. It was amazing. It was really, really good. So then we had to go away and learn an actual scene for the two, um, for the main teacher and um, his supporting person to decide, you know, who they're going to let into the school or whatever. So I performed my scene and um, we learned the lines, performed the scene 
and then at the end you had to give your name and then you'd leave so my scene partner gave her name and I gave my name and he's like oh he goes he goes you're, you're not on the list and I was like yeah um I tried to tell you two hours ago I was just here to give my to give my sister like some moral support and I said it like that and obviously this is a fucking acting school like they're here to like do this shit seriously and the other guy the look he gave me if looks could kill i would have been decapitated decapitated like he was just he was not having any for my jack the lad taking this not seriously attitude but he said so what do you want to do are you auditioning or not and i was like yeah okay okay i'm down i'm down yeah cool safe auditions over walking outside about eight of these people came up to the light I can't believe you just came into the audition and you didn't even pay. Like, <laughs> like, what is this? Like, they were pissed, bro. They were properly pissed. Like, another totally example. just like... There's another example of you just taking your opportunity. Fucking winging it, mate. Fucking winging it. So anyway, about a month later now, I get this email saying I've been accepted to this drama school. Up until then, I didn't even know the name of the drama school. Didn't care. Whatever. I rang my sister. Like, yo, I've been accepted. She's like, yeah, so have I. I was like, all right, cool. And it's not in she got accepted. Oh, man, man, man. Imagine, man. imagine oh, yeah. if you did and she didn't. Oh. <laughs> imagine, imagine. So, so Steve, so Steve. And as you know, this has had a profound effect on me. This had a massive, this had, had a huge effect on me. So in the January of, um, in the January of, was it 2018? What year? In the January of 2018, and let's 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 rewind i'd actually left kiss i'd left kiss at this point um we had well i'd left kiss <laughs> basically i'd left kiss and so i was without my radio crutch i was without radio i was just djing and i was a little bit i was feeling somewhat kind of empty because i didn't have my radio identity i didn't have radio to do i didn't have radio money it was peak but you know I'm a hustler, so I'm surviving. So anyway, now, um, I've got all this free time to do drama. So I looked up this fucking drama school, and it's called Identity School of Acting. And I'm looking at the alumni, and it's like, you know, John Boyega, and like, all these amazing people have, have, have come through this drama school. So I'm like, oh, shit, this is some serious shit. This is some fucking serious shit. So, you know, I started training twice a week, uh, three times each 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 session we did movement we did acting for screen we did scripts we did um all that good stuff all that good stuff and that was like a full-on baptism for me into the field of acting now, i've always wanted to you know fancy myself as a bit of an actor i thought i could do it or whatnot but going through that process showed me that this thing is no freaking joke no joke and in order to even begin to consider yourself in order to to pronounce the first syllable of the word actor, you there is so much work you have to do as a person in understanding who the fuck you are, in understanding what the word ego really means, understanding how to rid yourself of that and become a blank canvas so that you can convey a character or an emotion or uh yeah, or a mood. Because sometimes you're 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 acting and you're not even saying anything. So for, for me, it was a it was a 
full stripping down of who I am and who I thought I was. And like I said, I wasn't at KISS at the time. You know, this thing which I'd identified with for so many years. And it was it almost came at the right time for me to strip down and go, right, who are you, mate? I'm on that journey on the moment. Um, just, yeah, just learning the ins and outs. Great. It sounds therapeutic. It sounds like it's been therapeutic as well as obviously creatively inspiring. Um, one Brilliant. question I want to ask you is you're, you know, you're very well read dude. Is there any books that mm. spring to mind for you that have had big impacts on, on your, on your life or anything that you've sort of read that has been life changing epiphanies or anything like that? I'll tell you, I'll tell you, and I shit you not for people watching this. I shit you not. This guy I know called Steve Whiteley about 10 years ago told me to read a book called the four hour working week. Uh, Sounds utterly whimsical, sounds utterly impossible, but the ethos of that book, the underlying ethos of that book is to effectively believe in your source. If there is something that you want to do, if there is, you know, there's a chapter in the book where it's like, you can't expect someone to pay you for what you want to do if you don't believe in yourself. And at the time, I was at uni, I was working, getting some good money, doing data entry for this healthcare company, but I wanted to be a DJ. So um, I literally read the chapter of that book, used my overdraft to buy some decks. A new bar had opened up in Stanmore um, and I I approached them. Yeah, I approached them and I was like, "Um, I'm going to be your DJ. And they were like, we don't need a DJ. I was like, shit, shit, fuck you, Whiteley. Fuck you, bro. But then the week later, they ran me up and they were like, yeah, we do need a DJ. So I left that job and then I became a DJ. And DJing was my, my income. So I definitely say the four hour working week. Oh, there's so many. The four hour working week, the power of now, um, power versus force, um, the slight edge. Um, how to win friends and influence people is good, but it can, e- yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's, 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 it's a good read. It's a fun read. Um, there's a book called The Negotiation Genius. Um, can I quickly look at my Google, Google libraries? I'm going to give you two Go more. For it, of course, yeah. Give me two secs. Give me two secs. Um, there's a book called Mastery. Okay. Which is really, really good. And then the 48 Laws of Power. I've heard about that one, yeah. Yeah. So these are all books. I mean, look. Look, man. Like I always say, this, and again, having a child is, 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 is a blessing because they don't listen to shit. They don't. Proof. Proof is, is, is what it is. And I always say to him, you know, we have lots of discussions about religion and so on and so forth. And, you know, me prompting his mind to, to challenge, you know, assumed, assumed things, you know, about society and, you know, just, just, just what we're told. So, you know, I would say to him, you know, you can read the Quran, you can read the Bible, you could read, you know, um, Buddhist texts, you could read Hindu texts or whatever, and you could get something, you can, you can, you can interpret something from, you can get positive things from all of those texts and all of those those books, even though religion is something which has divided and much as it's divided, brought joy to um, to society throughout the ages, you know. And it, what am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is, although it has those stark distinctions and, you know, both positive and negative, you could read something which is perceived as positive, but receive something received as sorry. You could read something which is perceived as negative, you know, just because you're Christian or just because you're you follow Islam, 
Uh, you should read a Christian book and go, oh shit, well, I actually understand that concept and so on and so forth. So these books, I don't, you know, I might read a whole book, but there's just one paragraph that resonates to me. Yeah, and that's enough. That, that alone yeah. would have, you know, that's worth buying the book for that paragraph alone. Fully. Fully. Um, Fully. Fully. All right, man. Well, listen, this, is, this has been great chatting to you. I want to ask you a question I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. Uh, that's ask me the question. Some serious eyebrow movement there. That, mm. I mean, that, that alone is, was that, was that a specific acting class where they sort of taught you? How to master the eyebrow movement? How to master the brows, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When they're plucked and waxed, it's even more poignant. You just would have understood the message, but say that for another podcast. Yeah, I can do the curious thing, you know, like the curious one lift eyebrow. I can do the right. I can't do the left, yeah. though. Yeah, that. that's what I'm upset with my son. He can, he can do both. And I'm just like, you shit. Oh, he's got it. He's got the skills. He's got, he's got both of them. He's got both of them. Killing you in the eyebrow game. Um, so what, what does the idea of balance mean to you or not, AJ King, a.k.a. Blazo My Days? Balance. What does the idea of balance mean to me? Balance equates to, to kind of harmony and peace. So if you reach a situation where you're happy in your professional life, you're happy in your personal life, you're happy in your sex life, you're happy, you know, with your financial life, you know, that is as a result of balance, I think, and harmony, um, which leads to peace. Great. Love it. Love it, man. Um, social media, where, where's best for people to catch you? My Twitter is it's AJ King. Um, and Instagram is King AJ King. Got it. All yeah, right, man. GG. Thank you so much. And so there we have it. AJ King. They're dropping numerous pearls of wisdom. I think you will agree. Hope you enjoyed that one and that you are all doing well. I uh, always seem to tell you about books I'm reading at the moment. I think that's because it's one of the, so it's one of the main things we're doing, you know, with the absence of going out and whatnot, obviously watching stuff. But uh, I'm on season two of Succession, which is amazing. But one of the books I'm reading at the moment is, it came, I think it came out in 2010. It was like a phenomenon then. It was, um, it's I Am Pilgrim, which is a bit of like a born supremacy style. And I used to love reading those kind of books. I read, you know, the Dan Brown books when they came out. And they're just like classic page turners. But I tend to read a lot of nonfiction. And so I've really enjoyed reading this. It's... Uh, I'm getting through it very quickly. So if you're looking for, you know, a bit of a sort of distraction type book, a real page turner, and you haven't read this before, because I know it was like massive when it first came out, then I would highly recommend I Am Pilgrim. So that is my recommendation for you book-wise. I'm going to watch the film tonight, The King of Staten Island, the Pete Davidson and Judd Apatow film, which I've been looking forward to watching for a while. So I will report back in due course and let you know my very... Uh, vague review of that so brace yourselves you've got that to look forward to as always i hope you enjoyed the episode and if you did please do rate and review us on the apple podcast that would be muchas appreciated and uh until next time see you later balancing acts is now made in association with the comedy crowd who are a website 
and community that support independent comedy creators such as myself. I have a comedy crowd short, which is a, a two-minute video one of my characters on their website. They showcase the best new videos on Comedy Crowd TV, which is comedycrowdtv.com, and across media platforms. So do go and check them out. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.